0: All right, Aaron it's time to get edgy
1: we're gonna get all uh, punk up in this bitch
0: time to be controversial
1: all right the world is awful
0: well I was actually gonna have a specific lead into that but if you just want to wax philosophical on the nature of being well
1: doing a thing so you <laughs> go ahead
0: what's one thing that you hate doing when it comes to Halloween
1: oh let's be really
0: controversial because most people like everything about halloween but if there was one mm. thing that you just hate about it because i know you and i know the things you like and i can say pretty confidently i know there's something out there you would prefer never having to do for halloween ever again
1: mm. one thing I, I hate doing for halloween uh probably hay rides really really i think they're slow and kind of unnecessary uh and i don't really like the feeling of hay on my skin or uh, in poking my ass so (laughs) how Uh, do you
0: manage those hay mazes then
1: the hay what do you mean hay mazes are you talking about like corn mazes yeah oh i'm not touching the corn with my hands because you're not supposed to
0: you're not supposed to
1: and also we haven't (laughs) You know, unlike some cheaters. There have been many
0: a corn cob fight that has occurred in a corn maze.
1: Yeah. You're not supposed to. You're not
0: supposed to. And yet, I distinctly recall corn being thrown. So.
1: So, what's your least favorite thing about Halloween? I
0: don't know. Um. I was really just waiting to see what you would say so I could get really sad if it was something that I liked. I was afraid you were going to say something like carving pumpkins or drinking apple cider. or.
1: I love the outcome of carving pumpkins. Um, I love pumpkin seeds. I love how pumpkins look with the, the the candles inside of them. And I love when people take like Dremel tools and shit like that into them. I think carved pumpkins are really cool. I myself am not that great at carving pumpkins, but I love the outcome of carving pumpkins. So it's less, I I don't hate it. It's just I'm just not as good at it. So, but I love pumpkin seeds. I love it.
0: It, That's one of those foods that I wonder why don't we make that year round? I think a pumpkin seed, roasted pumpkin seed is a good snack any time of year sunflower seeds aren't relegated to just one season so why are pumpkin seeds
1: well thanks to the lovely folks at david's uh you can have pumpkin seeds year round and uh that's not our sponsor for the sponsor dome uh that's just me talking about how great i love david sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds
0: well i really uh, if we're gonna be edgy i really do hate that you like pumpkin sunflower seeds
1: no, you hate that I, I spit the seeds into a glass or into a bottle and not just into the ground, even though I do it indoors.
0: It's just it's just so hick. It never looks cool. Like, I'm not oh, look at that guy spitting pulp shards out of his mouth.
1: I'm not doing it to look cool. I'm doing it because I enjoy the flavor.
0: I, I prefer the Native American concept. You eat all parts of the water buffalo, So if the seed is in your mouth, you eat the husk.
1: So um, have you ever had what I like to call porcupine poops?
0: <laughs> no, I guess I haven't.
1: Because as a kid, I did actually eat sunflower seeds all all the way through. And they don't hurt that much until it tries to come out.
0: Well, pumpkin seeds don't, digest- don't do that.
1: No, because you can actually digest the outer, uh, outermost part of a pumpkin seed.
0: So, who is the person who looked at sunflower seeds and said, "Yep, I bet you eat the insides of that, but not the outsides. Only the insides will be good."
1: I'll tell you who—a true hero,
0: like the great folks at David.
1: So, what is your least favorite part of Halloween? You've got us in suspense. You've got uh, the listeners just enraptured.
0: Oh, haunted houses.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, don't. I kind of walked right into that one, didn't I? <laughs>
0: That's all about being subversive. No, I just I don't like being scared at all, not all at all. It just does not float in my boat.
1: I, I don't know. Uh, I I'm not crazy about haunted houses. I've done the Ripley's Believe It or Not, um, or sorry, the Ripley's Haunted Adventure up in Pigeon Forge, um, and that was a lot of fun. I've done it twice. The first time was way better than the first time. Or sorry. <laughs>
0: The first uh, better than the first You know what was best was the first time. <laughs>
1: uh, my bad. The first time was better than the second time. I don't know if I was because I was older or it w- had gone down in quality or what. But the first time was definitely better than the second time. I think it was honestly it was personal hype. Uh, but the... Like, I
0: don't even like those prank videos. People get scared. Like...
1: Oh, I love... Oh, oh, Scare Tactics with, uh... That's you boy, so mean. Um, uh... Oh, the dude from Cop Out. I'm forgetting his name. Of course, whenever we do this stuff, I always forget people's names. Uh, Tracy Morgan with your host, uh, Tracy Morgan. I I remember there was a period uh, period of time in uh, SCAD where I ate up Scare Tactics. Oh, me and my roommate... Uh, that was one of the few shows that we actually watched together. I'd be like, "Hey, do you want to watch Gear Tactics?" And he would actually take off his headphones and he'd watch it with me. It <laughs> a rare awesome. feat. Well, it wasn't that like he was antisocial. It was just that he had his own stuff that he was doing, and I had my own stuff that I was doing. But All yeah, humor Skier derives
0: tactic. from some form of misery, but I don't like so it should work on a technical level. But I've never really enjoyed pranks. I
1: I I enjoy them when they're kind of in good nature. So plus
0: every prank i've ever done has backfired on me gloriously so
1: you've done a couple good pranks on me <laughs> so don't don't be so hard on yourself hon. uh but yeah no, i like haunted corn mazes but haunted houses i'm not as big of a fan of either but i don't hate them
0: <laughs> i just don't like it when you go trick-or-treating and there's that one house The one house that goes too far, and your nephews scream and have nightmares because of what you did to them, and you have to take them home early, and no one gets any candy. Thanks a lot, Becky.
1: You you mean Carson, (laughs) our our buddy Carson Hunt's house?
0: So uh, the thrill of the hunt... shout out shout out to throw the hunt the husband and wife team who do that podcast the husband does these scare videos every halloween where he <sighs> stages gremlins or those jump out of the bushes sort of scares he
1: dressed up as like a goblin like full oh, head terrifying. to toe goblin and then he had a gremlin puppet i am excited to see what he does this year
0: Face with the consequences of my own actions that's what i i can't abide by pranks knowing that i have to if, if they never came back, sure, I could pretend maybe that they lived normal, happy lives, but I would always be thinking in the back of my mind, what if I was the reason that they went to juvie?
1: <laughs> wow. I took a dark turn.
0: It is Halloween.
1: Uh, yeah, it's true. And uh, you are Elizabeth. And you are Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. I've been told recently that uh, they enjoy the crap out of our intro and act. Uh, uh outro so
0: i would really really hope so because we worked we were workshopping that in the think tank for months before we launched this there yeah, was we, we uh we research had so many, st- studies yeah focus
1: groups um and uh test audiences and... and wouldn't
0: you know we can never actually do it live every time you hear it that's a recording of the first time that was ever done
1: yeah i mean i was uh i, I uh hadn't quit smoking yet at that point and uh you don't hear me, uh, but right after I get done with it, I'm I'm hacking up a lung because uh, I'm like right after I'm like I gotta quit smoking. We're like guys. the MGM
0: lion who comes in. They didn't film it in every single movie, guys. They filmed him once.
1: Whoa! What? <laughs> what? They I'm that wasn't live every single time on every single MGM uh, movie. Are you kidding well, me? Well, unless
0: you take Cat Stone Dance as a documentary, which I kind of do, but
1: oh uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Why don't you give everyone a pub party?
0: You can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at reviews at com. You can also visit our website, com for all those links, as well as links to all of our episodes. We are in Season 3, and we have... Oh, gosh. The last one was our 75th. So this is our 70- 70...
1: No, we're on 77.
0: We are on 77. Lucky number 77. Doesn't roll off the tongue. I don't know why I said that. And... <laughs> uh since we are in season three if you haven't checked out our patreon page yet patreon.com slash the idea it gives you a bunch of different tiers that you can think about joining if you want to hear certain things on our podcast uh, like maybe you're the person who really enjoys the outros and intros and wants us to just do that uh, uh, ad nauseum verbatim uh, again and again for 55 minutes
1: We can even say your name, like, your, insert name here, and I'm Aaron.
0: Oh, that would be very good. If we ever blew it big, it'd be great to have, like, you're Lindsay, and you're Michael, and you're engaged. What? What?
1: I now pronounce you engaged.
0: (laughs) Do we have the legal authority to do that? We should work on that.
1: Uh, I can do whatever I want. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you're a podcaster.
1: Uh, Let me in. I'm a podcaster. Here's my (laughs) badge. It's just a, a sticker in, inside of a uh, Pop-Tart wrapper. Um, our uh, sponsor, Dome, is going to be kind of interesting today. Uh, but of course, our rating sponsor is Audible.com. We'll get into that in just a little bit. so
0: Uh, Let's talk Little Shop of Horrors. Yet another movie in the collection of movies that Elizabeth has not seen. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Put that in the list of uh, movies that both Aaron and Elizabeth haven't seen. We're sorry. Because (laughs) I haven't seen this movie either. I think I tried to watch the original 1960 version. I could only get in five minutes. Because the actor who played Seymour was real, like... Mr. Majnik, I broke this. I'm sorry. Like, real... Way
0: too nasally. Like... Way too Jerry Lewis. Yeah.
1: Like, I I couldn't get past it. Like, I'm supposed to like this guy? And, of course, Rick Moranis. Lovable. Oh, love that guy. Lovable. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I tried watching that one a little bit and couldn't get past much of the main actor
0: well I had no idea there was such a storied history to Little Shop of Horrors I had no idea that it was an off off Broadway production before it became a movie before it became this movie
1: the I think the off Broadway musical was based on the 1960s movie uh, which then the musical became this movie thank you I don't thank know you. if the original movie was a musical or not truth be told
0: here look that up while I keep talking okay because we always do all of our research before we start these episodes, don't we, babe?
1: Hey, sometimes we do. <laughs> uh,
0: I really love the heightened theatricality of musicals. I've always been a bit of a theater nerd. I was a dancer while Aaron was an actor, but I always liked the idea of stage. And even when you're dancing, you're still playing to the back audience. You still need to show emotion and expression in your movements and your facial animation. So for me, it's really nice to have that heightened sense of purpose in a musical where things can be just waved off with a wave of a hand and they all sing and there's just a background choir of a trio of women very reminiscent of the muses and hercules just kind of narrating as things go i loved the style of this i love the puppetry of this please don't remake this because they're going to go cgi and i don't think you could have really captured Audrey too, with CGI in such the visceral way that this puppetry is done. I liked all the actors in it. I loved the music and uh, I even there was even a part of me that liked the alternative ending and we'll uh, talk about that a little bit uh, as we move forward but I I was surprised how much I enjoyed this iteration.
1: Uh, it was... Oh the- Aaron
0: you've come back from the internet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yes, the original 1960s version was not a musical. It was a comedy slash horror. I think it was a little bit more mystery, like, oh, my God, these people are disappearing left and right. Where are they going? Into this planet, you know? I think it was a little bit more of what it, that one was going for. So,
0: Well, I think that makes sense because... The music for this is sort of doo woppy, shaboop a boop, mm. and that wouldn't have been nostalgic at the time that they made the original one.
1: Yeah, but whereas the musical, the off Broadway musical, off off Broadway, <laughs> they're very specific about that in the credits <laughs> would have absolutely played on that and uh, done very well, in my opinion. So, the uh, mu- what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the characters? Do you want to talk about the music? Because I'm willing to talk about either
0: um I really want to talk about the music because we started this movie, and the credits were rolling before it, which I always enjoy seeing that um but something caught my eye instantaneously. You were interested because it had um Frank Oz directing it. Yes, and that was a pretty Which we'll cool get. Into get. That
1: in just a little bit, yeah. I know we do that a lot in, on the show, and I apologize to our faithful listener. Um,
0: hey, hey, we have two reviews, listeners. Uh, we actually had some new people follow us. Uh, shout out to Esther for following us and listening to some of our more recent episodes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about how blown away I was when Alan Menken was thrown up as the lyricist and composer for Little Shop of Horrors because that blew my freaking mind. I'm like, of course, Alan Megan didn't only do work for Disney. Of course, he must have done other work in his long and storied history. But to also be like, and he also did this. What?
1: That was really, really cool to to think that the same person who gave Belle a voice and the Beast, you know, a reason to find love also made it singing (laughs) plants. Help well, making that, a singing plant. And
0: that's Howard Ashman you're thinking of. Hold on. Now we got to go even deeper.
1: I thought it was Mankin and Ashman. I thought it was the... Oh, the, yeah.
0: No, no, it was the duo. No, absolutely. No, you are correct. It was absolutely the duo. Um, but the pairing of them together was... Sorry. Yes, Aaron. It absolutely was the two of them doing that. Alan Mankin and Howard Ashman. Uh, Howard Ashman has unfortunately passed away... Uh, But Alan Menken is still composing and making music.
1: Yes. Sorry. And I'm saying the pair of them did Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And the pair of them did this movie.
0: I think that's so wonderful. That was all I really meant to say. And I got caught up in the minutia.
1: I'm I'm trying to help um, solidify your point. I'm not trying to tear it down. I'm trying to solidify it.
0: No, there are people who like uh, different composers for different Disney movies, but I always felt that uh, Alan Macon and Howard Ashman worked together so perfectly. They had such great chemistry in how they composed and wrote lyrics and mashed them together. "Wish Shop of Horrors is all about that. Full of such quiet, precise lyrical details, but ultimately fun to listen to it's always fun and engaging and makes you want to hear it again and again and again it's beautiful earworms all of them little audrey twos burrowing through your brain <laughs> i i love it like i know i've never seen this movie but i already knew all of the refrains all of the uh choruses for these songs Just from, like, pop culture. Like, I hadn't even realized I knew them. I'm a mean green mother from outer space. Uh, You'll be a dentist. There's just so many parts of that that I already knew. And it's all due to the catchy beats and the great
1: lyrics. And that also goes to show that how much of an impact that this movie has had on pop culture as well. Um, I saw a cosplayer at last year's Dragon Con 2018, I think. Um, who was dressed as Seymour and had an Audrey II puppet and it was just spot on. They looked amazing. I took photos uh, of them. Uh, but they, th- that's just, it goes to show how much the people appreciate this movie because family guy, usually when they bring something up, it's going to fall into a few different categories. We're gonna drag it through the mud as deep as freaking possible, and then maybe bring it up again uh, to for air, and then shove it back in. We're gonna bring it up, at just in general, or we're actually going to make reference to something that is good, and we show respect for it in some way or some form. They
0: copied that entire thing. Line that was for that line, was line note for line,
1: no for no beat for beat, scene for scene, visual cue for visual cue. Um, the, uh, somewhere that's green. I had no idea that was from this musical until she started saying, I'm like, this sounds really from, Oh my God. And I thought that song was actually from a different musical or a different movie that i heard. I felt like I've heard that term tone somewhere else, but It might just be kind of a similar tone or the one that I heard might be a similar tone to this because when they made that reference, even though it was played for comedic effect, it was done with love. Whoever said, Hey, why don't we make reference to this, but we'll do it in this way. They did it. It was a parody, but it was a loving parody they've done. Then they did. um, When um, Seymour found Audrey They did that again. They showed it how someone did something like, well allow Rick Moranis and little shop of Wars to explain it for me. And then it happened, And a person who did a a character voice did the the thing for it. And it it wasn't like, and then I killed a hooker and I sucked out her soul. It was because that's how family guy goes sometimes. Yeah. It was, Hey, and then I walked down the street, shoot, It was like how it was in the movie. So, again.
0: Total eclipse of the sun.
1: Exactly. They didn't didn't drag it through the mud.
0: And this is where we pivot wildly into our Family Guy review.
1: By the way, Family Guy sucks now.
0: Family Guy introduced me to adult... Uh, Animation, but Bob's Burgers has stolen my heart and will forever be the correct way to show a family in an adult animated show. Yeah. I want to talk about the idea of this musical being um, a parody, but on the level of Mel Brooks parodies, where they steep themselves in the culture of what they're creating. The idea that this is a musical. Perhaps based on something very countercultural in uh, a similar idea that Rent is countercultural or Hamilton Mm. is countercultural, but at the same time, this is more of a bare bones, $30,000 production, and like, okay, we want to do this story, but the story is inherently absurd, but we still want to play with all the correct bounds of the musical, so we're going to get actual musical people to come compose and make the lyrics we're going to actually get people who can sing and carry a note gonna have the three act uh sorry the two act structure gonna keep all of these things intact and play within the bounds of musical uh but the thing that kind of makes it like wait a minute wink wink nudge nudge is when they acknowledge that there is music happening so the idea of some musicals is that is the sound diegetic or non-diegetic rather does the sound does the music exist in the world of the movie or is it something else so a musical it's always the question are they actually singing or is it a expression of what only the audience would be able to hear kind of like how
1: color colors of the wind versus um how does she know when uh what's his face is like why are you seeing? Where's that music coming from?
0: Yeah, so Patrick Dempsey acknowledges within Enchanted that the song is happening. It is diegetic.
1: Yeah. And
0: the calling out of that is kind of the breaking of the fourth wall that lets us appreciate musicals and fall into the idea of it's okay that they all know how the words and sing. It's it's fine. We've accepted it. Um, usually, they set musicals in places where there already is singing happening, like um, Cabaret. All of the music is actually being sung by people in the cabaret so every song every music number is actually being sung real life uh whereas things like uh chicago that is absolutely not happening so the first the first song and the last song are diegetic; the others are not like the cell block tango
1: or muppet treasure island yep. when one character goes did you guys hear that <laughs> hear what it was that sounded like something like <laughs> kevin fever, fever. ah do you hear it? You're going nuts down here!
0: Exactly! So for this one to be them doing a reprise of suddenly Seymour, and then all, like in the middle of the big, ah! And then suddenly music cuts out, guy walks in, Jim Belushi, hey, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but, sorry to interrupt you two kids, but if i got a pitch for you... Do you
1: guys mind stop singing for just a couple of minutes? i got I to gotta pitch to you on something. Like,
0: And I thought that was going to happen, but I was so surprised when it did, because I thought... They aren't going to. That'd be too much. But I want that in my comedic brain to happen as they're doing the big, big romantic sweeping song. And it's like mm-hmm. actually.
1: <laughs> See, um, I'll give you that. It's like more of a traditional Mel Brooks parody, where it's not a parody, but it's it's a homage to this type of film. The humorous homage, in I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, where they poke fun at. The, this kind of time frame But though they don't Poke fun at the 50s Besides maybe the uh, so, uh Some of the lyrics And somewhere that's green Mm-hmm um, that's where they only, well, to cover it's it, kind of times where they poke fun.
0: Well, the, I think there's a whole idea of clashing of tones that supports my idea. The idea of this doo uh, up and bubbly music in the middle of a little garbage alley Skid Row that everyone's trying to get out of.
1: Okay. So can, let's talk about Skid Row, the, the song Skid Row for just a second. Okay. Um, this song, uh, had just a little bit of controversy, uh, whenever it first came out because... The woman who first starts singing, everyone thought that it was one of the...
0: Uh, our muses, as they were. The our... Greek chorus. They yeah.
1: actually call them the Greek chorus. Oh, good. Excellent. They have character names, but the group together is actually called so, yeah, Greek So, yeah, they chorus. exist
0: within the framework of the story, but then also exist out of it.
1: At one point, you actually see them, quote-unquote, out of costume as street urchins, and, <laughs> uh, and they, like... say their character names as way to introduce
0: themselves before they go they never come back that way they only come back again as the doo-wop greek chorus which
1: i I kind of like makes me think that there might be something else going on with them
0: no i don't think so i think that's the idea oh tell me
1: what if they're aliens too Mm. film theory get on it hashtag (laughs) film theory get on it so what's Um, the controversy it's and i'm talking a tiny bit of controversy uh, but I'm gonna read IMDb uh, trivia. Of course, one of my places that I live um, <laughs> says that the old woman who begins the song "Skid Row Downtown" is Tony-nominated singer, actress, comedian Bertrice Reading. It's been erroneously reported that her voice is overdubbed by Michelle Weeks, who played Ronette, and performed the verse of the alternate version on the soundtrack album. So apparently, the soundtrack that you get is. Almost entirely different than what you get from the movie, which really stinks because I want that. I don't want a different soundtrack. I want that. Why
0: would they do that, though? Was there a reason for it?
1: I, I, um, I thought that that might be the case. I thought it might just be an older woman walking. And because it sounded like one of the the Greek chorus if she's at a, first, if
0: she's a Tony nominated actress, then yeah, she should be yeah, singing her own thing exactly. But they wouldn't would not need to overdub it.
1: In fact, Beatrice, uh Beatrice, Beatrice sang her part in the song live on set. Of course, she did. In fact, in fact, this was Beatrice's final film appearance before her death in 1991. Whoa! Yeah. So, like I said, tiny... 91 tiny. was
0: when Howard Ashman
1: died, too. Wow. Ah. Um, So, like I said, tiny bit of controversy. So, um, but that... Okay. To take a small step back in us talking about the music, there are times when I watch musicals um, that I enjoy the music for the most part, but they'll give a song to, like, the female lead, or they'll... They'll have a part with a female, and it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's not in her, uh, her voice, or it, she stretches too much, or she doesn't do the wrong, right thing. Never had a part in it. It never happened for me in this musical. I, every time someone came on, it was either done properly for the character or properly for their voice. And it, it's probably because of uh, Howard Ashman, because Howard Ashman knew how to write music... For the actors and actresses.
0: Yeah, Alan and Howard, they knew what to do.
1: Exactly.
0: And I do like that this actress, you can tell that it's a combination of her voice um some sort of affectation because when she starts to sing especially when she's feeling really emotional and letting it out and not being so kowtowed all of a sudden it just like starts to echo operatically through the room you're like oh my
1: god are you talking about um the woman who sings downtown or skid row are you talking about the um audrey Audrey. i I loved it when she kind of let go of audrey and just started singing yeah that's yeah oh my god like it was like cuz she ha- she has this voice and the voice is never annoying it never grates and I'm not being sarcastic um but it is definitely a voice and she you can tell when she kind of dips away from the voice and it just it becomes the her singing becomes beautiful oh it's it, it's it's sorry I'm gushing <laughs> but the downtown song when this woman is walking through no wonder she's Tony nominated and probably won and is well-renowned because in the 30 seconds that she is on screen, this woman is a character, and I don't know what her backstory is, but I wanted to know. <laughs> like She has been living in this part of this world for so long that it's tried to beat her down, but God forbid that because is going to sing her heart out. My God, Beatrice, reading the world lost someone inspiring. Holy shit!
0: Well, that sounds like a good place to take a breather before we come back <laughs> to talk about characters, cameos, and alternate endings. Okay, yeah. Sorry. No, I like your props. I like your props, but we probably need a breather now as we enter at the sponsor dome. Smoke break. <laughs>
1: All right, so um, I we didn't discuss this before we started the episode, but I think
0: per usual, go on.
1: Yeah, I think our uh, and what I I will just say who it should be, and then I'll let you gush for a little bit. Okay. Uh, I think our um challenger for this week should be the curious creations of Christine McConnell.
0: That's awesome, Aaron. But we already did have her in the sponsor no. dome.
1: Oh, yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Crap. I, I was like, to, oh, so sure. I well, love you, you to pieces. Do, do you want to do the Tennessee Pirate Fest then?
0: Yeah, you know, it's over. But uh, we visited the Tennessee Pirate Fest. We have previously been in the Tennessee Pirate Fest as players. Aaron has had really big roles doing both the Pirate Fest and the Medieval Fair. And they do Robin Hood for the Medieval Fair, which I think is a good story to do.
1: Yeah, this year they did uh, Captain Blood for the Pirate Fest.
0: It's out in Harriman, Tennessee. And the nice thing is that when I go, I always have a fun and different experience regardless of whether i'm a crew member or someone just visiting to have some fun uh it was very lively we went on the last day and everyone was so full of energy and excitement and i did win the costume contest so there's that well you know it's good to know that even when i'm not playing i can still go up on the stage
1: (laughs) And and kick ass.
0: And then I did find someone who was selling fairy crowns, and I spent way too much money there, but it's okay because now I have some really great stuff to wear to school.
1: (laughs) Students beware. Students
0: beware. You're in for a scare as your teacher tries to just show off her weird obsessions.
1: You keep saying that you're going to do it, and you haven't. I haven't seen you dress
0: up yet. I did. I dressed up on Monday in my Halloween outfit.
1: Ah, okay. So tomorrow shall be something fun Mm -hmm. as well.
0: I thought I'd be a fairy princess tomorrow. Yes,
1: Tennessee... The Tennessee Pirate Festival uh, just concluded and the Medieval Fair will be picking up in the spring um, with uh, open auditions and um, some some various things as well. I uh, think
0: that the, the people there are just the most wonderful people who give it their all. Every person I've ever seen or talked to about the Pirate Fest is like, you know, they really do care. They really want to make it an awesome immersive experience
1: yes and that's where we've met um some of our friends including uh the uh thrill of the hunt folks um and we've met some other great great people through this wonderful festival and um you know even if we're not in it like this year we try to go to it so Uh, For more information, uh, go to TM Fair, that's F-A-I-R-E.com, or visit their Facebook page, Tennessee uh, Medieval Fair or Tennessee Pirate Festival. Uh, They would be happy to give you more information, uh, especially if you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun to maybe be in. They are absolutely uh, a great place to jump in. Um, Yeah,
0: if you're complete hams like us, this is for you.
1: Yeah, uh, I had not acted uh, in a long time, and I decided, like, oh, I'll go audition, and they could not have been happier to have me because I was a big ol' dork. Well, Aaron
0: got to be the captain. Captain Morgan,
1: so, but, uh, yeah, I told my new job that I was in the Pirate Festival, and their immediate response was, can you do a pirate voice? Like, Yes, he can, and then he can't, can't get out of it. Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I just can't get out of it and i we have meetings and such so but that is our sponsor uh challenger for this week uh and our uh sponsor uh non-challenger champion that's the word i was going for (laughs) Uh, you got
0: lost in your words right there for a minute
1: as i typically do uh it is audible.com Uh, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash marriedtotheidea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash marriedtotheidea to get started today. Why Audible? I'll tell you why. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Our recommendation for you this week is something just a little bit different. We are recommending Halloween Party, and that's with an apostrophe between the two E's in Halloween, by Agatha Christie. And it's actually the dramatized version.
0: I do love the dramatization.
1: Dramatization. Um this is uh narrated by john moffat but uh it is a dramatized so it's gonna have sound effects and everything like that so if you're like me who enjoys um no sleep and stuff like that where they have fun extra things and it's not just you know people talking into a microphone
0: and you want a tidy hour and a half listening experience
1: yes and uh which
0: series is that liz
1: the who's the who's the main character
0: Hercule Poirot. Thank you. They even explain it in the movie. You saw it with me. We had a whole episode on it.
1: Yep. And I completely forget how to say the name. So that again is Halloween party. Uh, We we are recommending the dramatized version, uh, narrated by John Moffat. Now there are plenty of other versions. If you just want the original book, there's that as well. Um, But there are plenty of Halloween treats. If you don't want to get tricked. Go to audibletrial.com slash to the idea. Again, that's T-O, not the number two. And they are our sponsor champions.
0: <laughs> nice trick or treat reference, babe.
1: You know, I got to give the people what they want. I know you do. Um, so I was actually going to make a reference saying how the voice of Audrey 2 was the same voice of Oogie Boogie. That's not true.
0: No, that's not true. No. I didn't think so.
1: I thought for a good chunk of the movie that it was.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's the uh, gentleman from the Four Tenors who is the voice of Audrey, too.
1: Yes. Uh, He also was the voice of Mother Brain in the Captain N animated series.
0: You're going to have to refresh my memory because I don't remember Captain N.
1: There was an episode from Nostalgia Critic. Hashtag or shout out to Nostalgia Critic. Uh, where a kid gets sucked into a video game a la Tron.
0: Oh, is this that Nintendo? Yes. Oh, that's why I didn't see it because it's garbage.
1: Yes. Uh, he voiced Mother Brain in it, where it looked kind of transvestite-y and like, not in a, a good way whatsoever.
0: Again, never seen it, don't know it.
1: Uh, again, all you got to do is watch the nostalgia critic on it.
0: Again, that's his show and this is ours.
1: <laughs> and we're married to the idea. <laughs> Uh but yeah, that's I I seriously thought that was Oogie Boogie and I was going to be like I was going to make a reference to uh Nightmare Before Christmas during this. But
0: similar creepy crawly deep voiced big villain.
1: But I do uh, I mean Oogie Boogie the voice of Oogie Boogie was the voice of the big lipped alligator from All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. That is true. But I thought this was also another connection. That is wrong.
0: <laughs> we also had Rick Moranis.
1: Oh, uh, Rick Moranis you know if you ever come back to acting we will welcome you with open arms but we understand why you aren't here uh ellen green who plays audrey uh who... oh, did you see
0: how all the care all the not the character names but all the actor names had some sort of flower in their name or nature thing the guy who plays the owner of the shop his last name is hyacinth which is a kind of flower and then ellen green
1: are you talking about the guy who played mushnik yeah his last name is Gardenia.
0: Sorry, Gardenia. Yeah. Well, a flower. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, Ellen Green uh, is a little bit well known. She was in Leon the Professional and The Cooler. But Liz, you might know her because she is Mister Sh- Mrs. Sugarbee from Tangled the Series.
0: Cool. Yeah. That's neat. Now,
1: which which November 12th can't get here fast enough. Oh, my gosh. We
0: have to do an episode by episode take for Tangled because it's just so good. And we're so far behind. And I've already had things spoiled for me because I can't go on Instagram anymore, people, because all Instagram likes to do is spoil television shows because everyone's like, ah, and they all draw fan art. And I'm like, oh, oh, no.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. And I think that should be available to our Patreons
0: ah good idea babe
1: um i also know ellen green because she was in the wonderfully delightfully odd show pushing daisies uh as vivian charles um i think she was one of the ants is who she was and she was so cute in that
0: did she Um, do any singing
1: i think she did some yeah i think both of the ants sang. fun but let's talk about the side characters
0: yeah so was this an SNL reunion or something
1: yes no
0: (laughs) I'm looking at the puppets and I'm looking at Alan Macon and Howard Ashman and I'm looking at the cast of cameos and I'm thinking to myself how in the world they get this made for under 30,000 dollars
1: well, I mean, 20,000 of it went to the damn puppets. So. That's what
0: I'm saying. Like, Yeah, like everyone just had to like be, sure, I'll come in on set today. Why not? I already mentioned Jim Belushi, who shows up as like a, not ex machina, but oh, a guy. They
1: just bought him a a, a hamburger and a cigarette. That's, that's how all, they got him on stage. That's all Belushi I'm needs. sorry. I will hate on some Jim Belushi. That show, according to Jim, is the worst fucking thing that came out of the mid or the early two thousands, fight me. That show is goddamn toxic. Toxic masculinity. Fuck that show.
0: King of Queens is also equally horrendous.
1: Mm, it has some better things, but
0: oh, Aaron, a defender. It's just because it's Kevin James.
1: Uh, yeah, and I have a soft spot for Kevin James. Ah, but I but I will say this. equally bad. I. It's it's. I will say comparative. According to Jim, is worse. But it's... Um, King of Queens is not good. Uh, there's a lot of, Oh, no. That's another reason why I have a soft spot for it. Patton Oswald.
0: That's right. He is in that. I forgot that. Yeah.
1: But... Um, uh, so we
0: already mentioned that Jim Belushi shows up as sort of like this sleazy executive. He's like, I've got a plan to put an Audrey 2 in every home in North America. And that's just for starters. Uh, then, uh, before that, we have our... Uh, starring special guest feature of Steve Martin, who is the sadistic dentist. Great. He also is an, an Elvis impersonator. It's, again, that doo yeah. 50s vibe. Yeah,
1: I think that's part of like the whole where it kind of becomes a parody is that kind of character. But it's characters Steve like Steve Martin. Yeah. Is, is his most Steve Martin-y in this role. He, I've heard a lot of good things about um, the jerk. Um, I have never seen the Three it.
0: Amigos.
1: We, you and I need to watch the Three Amigos. I've I seen I saw it once when I was a kid, I remember it being funny, but I didn't appreciate it as much. Planes, trains,
0: and automobiles. Oh my!
1: That's him acting really well. That's a and that's a well written movie. That's that's firing on all cylinders. Three Amigos is Martin Short, um, Martin uh, Steve Martin, and God damn, I can't believe I'm forgetting the third one. Um, all three of them flying on all cylinders is basically what I've been, from what I read from everybody. So that's we've already watched Playing Trains of Automobiles. Maybe we'll watch Three Amigos for our Thanksgiving episode. Or no, wait, we have a different idea. Never
0: mind. <laughs> uh, I'd, I can never take Steve Martin like as a a nice guy. Never. He plays it, if he's a nice guy in real life, that's cool. But oh, he, he's
1: one of the nicest guys in real life. But that's he the plays the thing.
0: jackass just way too effectively. In a way that's not like, not even like those men who get put upon in movies. Is like, oh, don't you feel bad for him? He's trying everything. It just isn't going well for him. So he finally breaks. It's it's You were thinking of Chevy Chase is who you were thinking of. Thank you. Because who Chevy is Chase is, 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 is similarly. An ass,
1: like, and he's actually kind of an asshole in real he's life. He's an
0: asshole in real life.
1: Uh,
0: uh, then we get, uh, again, another fun cameo with John. Yes. Yeah, with John Candy.
1: I want to leave the other one for I know, yeah.
0: Uh, Then John Candy shows up as a funny shock rock DJ, which I think is great.
1: John Candy having way too much fun with his role. Like, I bet he was like, all right, give me a bunch of shit that makes sound. I'm going to figure
0: this out. (laughs) And
1: I'm just going to have fun. And (laughs) you guys are just going to record. And then, Rick, you're going to come in at some point, and then I'm going to talk to you. All right, and let's go. (laughs) It, It was... And why in the
0: world would there be a radio show for Strange Unusual Things to see? It's a radio show. Because <laughs> I... I mean, I get it. It's funny. And I, it's, it's still funny. And then... Uh, yeah, and somehow... Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm trying to think if there's any other cameos. I'm sure there's probably a little bit more. Um, the two of the actresses who played uh, the Greek chorus, which funnily enough, their names, uh, Chiffon, Crystal, and Ronette are actually references to 60s doo-wop groups, the Ronettes, the Chiffons, and the Crystals.
0: Oh, great. I was wondering Uh, if there was something for that.
1: uh, Two of the actresses that went on to go onto fairly successful uh, sitcoms, Uh, they were actually both, funnily enough, in the TV show Martin with uh, Martin Lawrence. And then one was in My Wife and Kids with Damian Waynes. And then the other one was in Everybody Hates Chris, which was based on uh, Chris... Rocks kind of like Chris Rock had a. That's the narrative. trifecta
0: of black comedian shows. I think at that Just, point, al-
1: almost almost uh, hit all and, of them. Oh, <laughs> like there's 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 a few other like Fresh things. Prince,
0: but besides that,
1: he wasn't a staying a comedian. But yeah, but <laughs> I, I get what you're trying to say. But then possibly the best cameo outside of John Candy's. I knew he was in this movie. I knew it. And yet, it still caught me off guard because of how fucking good it was. Bill fucking Murray.
0: Showing up like a kid in a candy store, knocking his knees together in the dentist's office, just waiting, hoping against hope that he gets picked to go into the dentist's chair next because he's a sadist and he loves getting hurt.
1: Apparently, the only scripted part is that people would scream... And that uh, the nurse would look in and shake her head, and then would leave. Everything else was pretty much ad libbed. Wow. The girl with the headgear is Brian Henson's sister because it's one <laughs> of Jim Henson's um sister, one of Jim Henson's daughters. That if that doesn't show how fucking genius Bill Murray is, it's great. Just. It was so
0: out of left field. I didn't think we were going to get a Satan in that chair, and it was just fabulous. Already, you subvert the idea that Dennis going to the dance profession because it like hurting people. Then get someone who likes getting hurt going to the dance chair. Then the dentist be mad about it instead of it being a match made in heaven. Because good, here's someone he can hurt forever, and he likes it. Now it's like, no, yeah. I only want you to be. I want you to be afraid of me. You be afraid, right, Rick Moranis? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Let me put on my scuba suit full of nitrous oxide. <laughs> Let me pray to my mother in the shrine I've built in the closet for her. Just, oh my gosh. Just Bill Murray just showing up, clapping his hands in girlish glee as he <laughs> puts the cotton swabs in his mouth. And, and like, to know that none of that was scripted, that he was just ad-libbing the whole way, is great.
1: He made that all that up himself. And it, oh my god, it was so great. That's wonderful. Speaking of Henson's. One of the main puppeteers for Audrey 2, Brian Henson. Of
0: course. Did you see the lips on that thing? That thing was fully realized. Not a cheap Ninja Turtle suit among them.
1: So, as a kid, I loved Jim Henson. As I grow older, I still love and appreciate Jim Henson. But I love and appreciate brian henson because of the shit that he gets away with or that he puts or that he's doing like the the curious creations of christine mcconnell and uh freaking happy Happy time Time Murders. murders it's not a great movie but if you are a muppet lover and I don't mean that in the wrong way. I mean that like you enjoy the Muppets, but you can poke fun at them.
0: If you like the joke Muppets, but if they had sex, then that is the movie for you.
1: Yeah, and the puppetry is well done. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, else it to should be. It.
0: I mean, that's the quality mark of a Henson product. The puppetry is always on point.
1: And it's so funny too because behind the scenes, it's like sibling rivalry. <laughs> because it's almost like he made the movie and then they said like all sesame no street and they're like and then the Jim Henson corporation would be like we are not associated with this product whatsoever the, please do not use that thing and it's almost I think like we knew. it's almost like the two Brian Henson and uh Lisa Henson are like Brian's like hey I'm making this fun movie and Lisa's like how dare you
0: Lisa's uh, all about that Disney staying on brand <laughs> No deviation. For
1: those of you who have ever watched Arrested Development, uh, you'll know what exactly what I'm talking about. But in that show, there's a scene where the mother character Lucille uh, says, "I love all my children uh, equally," and then the very next scene is like earlier that day, "I don't care for Job." Uh, Someone said that uh, and but put Disney over Lucille and then said, "I don't care for the Muppets." Yeah, because they don't know to do that properly. They don't know shit to do they they can
0: they might they might get there eventually
1: they had the the first Muppet movie that they read with was great even there were parts of Muppets Most Wanted that were great too the gulag scene where uh what's her fa- Tina Fey sings about loving Kermit oh yeah that was hilarious oh yeah the song where the evil Kermit sings to Miss Piggy was funny in its own way but it was awkward as fuck <sighs> I don't know how else to describe it, but there, um, the rivalry between uh, Ty Burrell and Sam Eagle—that was actually great. Oh, funny. that was the best.
0: Yeah, that was great. They had great chemistry. They, they,
1: there were bits and pieces of that movie that were hilarious,
0: and I liked the Muppet TV show that they were doing.
1: It was different, and it's different. I liked that they were trying something different. Sure, yeah. And then they were going to bring back the sketch comedy, and then it's already canceled. Already, God damn it, <laughs> Disney figure your shit out
0: get it together
1: get it together so getting back to little shop of horrors Mm -hmm.
0: so little shop of horrors was made on a shoestring budget with the right talent behind the wheel to bring this amazingly weird concept to life but when they originally showed the movie to test audiences they were not happy about the ending the ending as we see it in the movie in the DVD and all the releases is that uh Seymour does defeat Audrey 2, electrocutes it, frying it up, exploding it. And then he and his lovely lady get to run off to their house uh, uh, surrounded by green uh and there's a little winking Audrey 2 in the uh, flower bed the end the end. And I liked it, but knowing that there was something else that they could have done was in the back of my mind the entire time that I was playing, because then Aaron showed me the alternate ending that they first showed audiences. Uh, in that one, uh, Seymour does not save the day. He gets straight up eaten. And the plan goes off to sell Audrey twos all around the world. And then they all grow super big because they all found people who would be willing to feed them blood. And they go on a rampage through a New York City and pretty much take over the entire world. And that's that. And while I get, I get why audiences wouldn't like that. I get why they'd be, wait a minute, no, he was the guy we were following. He was supposed to be our hero, he's supposed to save us. I also get that, yeah. Seymour's kind of a wimp, and he did go along with this, even though he does try to do the right thing later. He did actively participate in this, so perhaps he should have a comeuppance. But it also, it's weird to see the military just failing to deal with what is basically a plant infestation, considering what kind of destructive capabilities the uh, military hey, has.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alien plant
0: infestation? Come on. I, yeah. I guess, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I think there is a place in the middle. Because I didn't find either one of these endings to be perfectly satisfactory. It felt like they cut the movie short on both accounts.
1: It reminds me of uh, Dodgeball because Dodgeball, the way Dodgeball ended uh, in the theaters or, uh, or what most people saw was the main good guy, uh, LeFleur, or whatever his name was, uh, winning the match and... So ben goes and, fat again. Yeah, and he goes fat, and he the main guy gets a bunch of money, buys the gym, company, makes and, it inclusive, and then his girlfriend ends up being bisexual and this and that, and it like I remember watching him like, okay, this is a pretty solid ending, and apparently that's not the original ending, because they make reference to it. Uh, ben Stiller does. He's like, oh, you like this? The happy-go-lucky ending where everybody gets what they want and the bad guy gets his comeuppance? Yeah, well, you can suck my titties. And then does uh, the milkshake dance. But it, because apparently in the original ending, he loses. Because
0: a- they're in... An- underdeveloped team that doesn't have all the money and resources of the evil team and so, yeah, they lose and cheaters win and sometimes he, life is he's like still, that.
1: Like, he still kind of won because he, like, still bet against himself, but it was something, like, the, it wasn't, like, the full comeuppance, but it was like, they didn't like it because, um, the, uh, they didn't like that the guy, uh, Ben Stiller's character still won in some aspect, so. Mm-hmm. it Yeah. So, the original ending is so damn dark and fun at the same time yeah, it's all
0: very enjoyable they have like all of them singing about it again still do woppy
1: but the the theatrical release or the one that most everyone else saw is so saccharine and overly sweet it almost feels like a dream sequence it feels like what seymour sees as he's dying or as he di- as when he's dead
0: i thought because it was an alien plant i thought that if he electrocuted it that it would actually help it grow and that it would bust through the roof and like oh no i did the wrong thing no and you have to like use like his plant knowledge to figure out how to defeat this see thing. that's
1: what i was thinking that was going to happen he was going to use some sort of like well i tried this and it didn't work and i tried this and it didn't work and like and i tried this and it actually made you smaller like i thought it was going to be like oh, wait, I'll use this, and it will help me kill you. And, like, it was going to be a final, like, aha moment. But it never really got to that point. It kind of, like, feels like they kind of had to rush it a little bit. Well,
0: they definitely ran out of money at that point. Coming <laughs> to ending, so which way are we going to go with this? And
1: apparently the the big ending, the where the plants are taking over, killing everything, coming through to your movie screen, Um. That was actually directed by someone else, uh, where, whereas Frank Oz directed most of the rest of the movie. Huh. And they use this. This is a, a fairly common practice. It's called second unit directing, um, because probably where they had to film and everything like that. But I just gotta talk about Frank Oz for a second, because not only did he direct a cult classic on a shoestring budget, but he directed like one of the best musicals on a shoestring budget. Also, he's directed some fairly well-known movies and I didn't know that they, I did not know that he directed these movies. Share with the class. Okay. So, I'm going to start small and work my way up. So, first off, he directed Death at a Funeral. Yeah. Which there was two versions. There was the British version and then there's the American version. He directed the British version. Intriguing. Th- the original version which had <laughs> funnily enough, Alan Tudyk and Alan Tudyk was naked in the film. Uh,
0: you would know.
1: I watched the movie forever. No, so, I know. You
0: yeah. would know when a guy gets naked in a film. It's kind of the thing that you know most. Just,
1: just call me Mr. Skin. <laughs> um, he also directed Stafford Wise, which is probably one of his few blights on his directing.
0: I kind of liked the Stafford Wise remake.
1: It's it's a we. I mean, Bette Midler. It was probably the on. first dark comedy I
0: ever watched, which is probably yeah. why it has a little... And, spot in my heart
1: and the the uh, the gay guy i love that actor i love him so much uh no but the one that, the when he becomes the Stafford husband oh uh, yeah. yeah yeah he directed the score um which is actually a fairly big heist movie uh bowfinger what's another steve martin movie uh house sitter another steve martin movie in and out which is kevin klein uh which is actually based on a uh real life story uh a guy accidentally outs his uh theater teacher and he is um a guy who gets ousted by someone he's like oh like they accept an award and he's like well i want to thank my teacher who helped me realize that i was gay by being himself gay and kevin klein plays the guy and he's like i'm not gay yeah, and he's like currently engaged to be married and this it it's oh. a whole thing. It's actually a pretty fun movie. So, um I actually have it on VHS. He also directed What About Bob, which is probably Bill Murray at his most annoying. I I I would not if you're a Bill Murray fan, I probably wouldn't recommend that one. All right, give me the big ones. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Really? Yep. Uh Little Shop of Horrors. Uh-huh. Muppets Take Manhattan. Yep. He directed that one, which makes sense because I think they end that one with the wedding. So he loves the big grand stuff at the end. Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, really? Yup. Whoa, Ooh, Flash in the Past. Tug at my goddamn heartstrings, my man. And then, biggest of them all, I can't believe I didn't know this Dark Crystal. Well, of course.
0: I mean, one of them had to have been the director on Dark Crystal. I thought Jim Henson
1: directed it, but oh, no, it was Frank Oz.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: That to to me is mind blowing. That's pretty cool. But Jim Henson wrote it, but the fact that Frank Oz directed it—that's <sighs> <sighs> mind blown. So, well, let's talk, as we must often do with these things,
0: about our question and. The remake. So there's already a talks of remake for Little Shop of Horrors. I'm
1: not surprised. I don't think it should be remade. Or, sorry. Go ahead. When did Little I...
0: Shop of Horrors come out? 80s, right?
1: 86.
0: Yeah, so... There's an interesting trend with nostalgic properties or uh, when you make a movie based on something from the past. You'll find that right now uh, we're still really on a big 80s kick about to transform into the 90s because we tend to go back to 30 years prior as the comfort place. In the 80s, they had nostalgia for the 50s, hence the doo-wop music. Yep. So it continuously goes back uh, back 30 years again and again and again, and it's been 30 years since they did Little Shop of Horrors. So now it's time to do it again.
1: I I don't think it should be remade. Or if it is remade, I would love to see it remade with still with puppetry. Do not do Please CGI. Please no CGI. Or very, very, very minimal CGI. Yeah,
0: if you want to do a little bit. Like, I could tell some, there was some small green screen effects in this and some forced camera angle tricks, which is fine. Yeah. But I want it to be mostly, like, it didn't. The thing about puppetry is that it's always actually in the space. Even if it doesn't look real, it's real in the space, which is why the Muppets work so well, why Sesame Street works so well. It doesn't matter that they're monsters and they aren't realistic. They're real. The kids can see them and act with them in a way that green screen just does not do.
1: And I know CGI has come leaps and bounds. in even the, Even the last couple of years, but so has puppetry. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what the Muppets have done in the last couple of years. It's... It's astounding. And you're making the Dark Crystal. And I've heard the Dark Crystal is dark, but good. It's like, come, Like if you're going to do this, do it right. And that's what I say for every goddamn remake.
0: Well, let's talk about what we can do to make this right. Uh, we already know that one person is in talk for one of the roles lady gaga
1: oh yeah that's right that's that was gonna that was our tease for last week
0: and i think she'd be a great audrey not only that i think she'd be a great audrey too if they want to like spin this thing around and like have just a really powerful singer be this alien plant from another world lady gaga would pull it off real good
1: that would be an interesting twist i definitely give you that i don't want it but it would be an interesting twist uh, I, like, I like the idea w- of her as Audrey. I would love to see the original voice actor, if he can come, if he's still alive. Um, I actually don't know that. Uh, to come back and play that, I think that he, might be too much way- of a
0: James Earl Jones sort of thing. Perhaps you know what? I was actually just thinking we are watching Perfect Harmony, and I think that the large gentleman <sighs> yeah, if on that—if
1: he could have that kind of energy and pep that the other guy did—yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great casting choice. Yeah, I thought that that um, would be
0: good for uh, for Audrey too. I like the idea of Lady Gaga playing like this meek sort of person who then like belts it out in the middle of songs.
1: Tom Hardy as Seymour.
0: Tom Hardy. Now, do Uh, you mean Tom Holland?
1: Yeah, I mean Tom Holland. Because Tom
0: Hardy would be a very interesting pull, Aaron. But do you mean your little boy Tom Holland? I mean
1: my little boy Tom Holland. Tom Holland
0: would be a very cute choice, but perhaps too young-looking to play opposite Lady Gaga. Yeah, just a
1: little too young-looking. Smidgen. Uh,
0: But there are tons of actors you could pick, I think, that could pull off the idea of
1: Seymour. And see, I think... well um the original or sorry uh Ellen Green actually was in the off road or at one point was in the Off-Broadway Off-Off-Broadway production of Little Shop. So oh, that's
0: rad. So that, would be, yeah. uh,
1: that would be something else, too, is maybe you can pull from that because that's part of the reason why these don't do as well, especially if when they do them on fucking live, is we you're pulling people that can maybe sing but aren't necessarily theater-trained actors.
0: Yeah, the theater is what's the important part. The second important part, I think, is that, again, nostalgia is cyclical. So we want to remake Little Shop of Horrors, but the question is, will they still keep a... 50s doo-wop vibe or will they reimagine the entire thing to have an 80s glam punk rock vibe oh, it'll be very rent at that point living in the ghettos of new york trying to make their way i mean it still has the same sort of but what would you do with the music would you keep it a 60 year old music property that manken and ashman did or would you retrofit the whole thing to fit the 80s aesthetic
1: if you get the right singers retrofit it
0: bring it to the 80s
1: bring it to the 80s i feel like that would be better than trying to completely remake it because when you try to completely remake it you're basically putting a mirror up to yourself and saying are we better than the original or are we better than the 80s version and that's going to be tough because the eight or the 80s version while it I mean, there are things that are probably wrong with it. The pacing can sometimes be a little slow. The acting can be a little uh hockey at times.
0: That's the musical vibe, though that's, yeah,
1: I'll give you that, but that's the idea um, of the musical,
0: even the sets, like I don't mind that it looks like they did it on these used that was sets still, that because get, that's the idea it. that's the idea of the musical. It all takes place on one stage. You can't. it's all optical illusions. It's all suspension of disbelief.
1: you know who did like the music uh, the movie musical right? in more recent times hairspray Mm -hmm. i won't say that they did it like perfectly but hairspray did a good job and because it felt like sets but they were still high quality sets yeah so but yeah if you could get like a really good 80s style kind of singer
0: now the big question like a
1: little richard esque kind of voice who
0: is going to be our dentist what asshole comedian is out? Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. That was the best pull ever, wasn't it? I just did it, didn't I?
1: Honestly, you might have. You, Snappy snap. I'm like, I'm really like, Bo Burnham can't. Yes, he can. Holy shit, yes, he can. He can do all and of he it. He can actually maybe help write some of the music. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, Hollywood producers who definitely don't listen to this podcast—we've
0: just solved the whole thing. Punk rock We solved aesthetic. your
1: remake puzzle.
0: Lady Gaga still good. Uh, bring in. I don't
1: know. I'm not 100 sure if she would work in the 80s version. I I'm I'm not trying to. Gaga. Hate on, I'm yeah. not trying to
0: hate on no Gaga. She's a reinvented I, Madonna. She works perfectly for the 80s. I
1: I don't know. I I'm. She's got. The vocal talents. I don't know if her acting style would work in that kind of in that kind of setting. She's not. She's proven herself apparently with the uh, the movie Star that is came, Born. Star is Born. She's proven herself that she has acting jobs. I just don't know if she would work in this kind of setting. I think if they remade it in the fifties style, the fifties nostalgic style, that she might work like that. The kind of ditzy fifties um, Audrey. That she might work like that. I don't know if she would work in an eighties Ditsy. I don't know. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying I don't know. Uh I have no idea who would play CMore. That's tough. I'm trying to think of a younger actor.
0: Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. Did I just do it again?
1: You might have just done it. Ah. Or No 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 hang on hang on. No, no. Bo Burnham. For Seymour.
0: Ooh.
1: Ben Wyatt for the dentist.
0: Ooh. Be-
1: because Ben Wyatt can play an ass. That's true too. Because Ben true. Wyatt can play a cocky, because he can be the worst. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Only if you bring what's her name as like the secretary. Oh yeah, it's very, very true. But the thing is, is- there's no reason why it has to be Caucasian actors. We Right now, we are very much in that mindset.
0: Oh, yes. Gosh, Aaron, you're right. Thank you. We need to open up our mindsets,
1: broaden ourselves. See, like, um, truth be told, if we had a bigger audience, they would probably flood and say, oh, blah, 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 blah. And because you know me, I'm the casting director for this remake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to our auditions. Please, yes. please come in.
1: So I... <sighs> I don't know if I would suggest for this to be remade. If it is, I do like the updation to the 80s style. But it's going to be hard to sell people on it because everyone's going to want the doo wop version. Because I do really like the doo wop version. But the problem is, if you want the doo wop version, you already have a version of it. So why not have an 80s glam rock version? Mm -hmm. Like, um,. Holly rock. If you had that kind of feel throughout the entire movie and the entire songs and everything like that, I think you're set.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: What if the dentist looked like Prince instead of Elvis?
0: Yep. There, you did one now. That was perfect.
1: (laughs) I think that's a great note to end on. What do you say?
0: (laughs) Sounds good to me.
1: All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, Uh, we are only one more week. Uh, Till the uh, For the Halloween season. And oh.
0: we're going to try and be good. Erin doesn't know this yet, but we're going to try and be good. And I'm going to try and get the episode out on Thursday, a.k.a. actual Halloween, not Friday.
1: Ooh. I know. I'm working give, hard. Giving yourself a deadline. I, I believe in you. I, I have faith in you.
0: As Dolly Parton said, what a way to make a living.
1: What a way. You know, working nine to five. Uh. Also, she said, Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> Jolene, Jolene. Uh,
0: Went to Nashville for the first time, walked into the first restaurant that we found to eat at, open mic night, singer at the, doing a wonderful thing on her guitar. And I said, she finishes her song, we all applaud and I say, wouldn't it be great if she started singing and then she just started seeing jolene i didn't even have to say it she just started i was so freaking pleased she read, your mind. she read my mind also the eldritch horror jolene verses are really fabulous where they imagine jolene is like some cthulhu monster rising from the depths <laughs> to destroy mankind also very good
1: oh man so uh yes we are uh almost done with the spoopy season uh we hope that you guys have been enjoying your pumpkin carving your hay rides your haunted houses what have you yeah
0: you enjoy what makes your halloween special to you
1: if it's drinking hot apple cider drink hot apple cider if it's listening to a very specific obscure album listen to that very uh, specific obscure album
0: if it's sitting on the porch watching the leaves roll by in the wind you do that
1: you do it uh the first two were things that liz and i like to do at this time of year
0: well maybe you'll do the third thing with me because watching it from the hammock all the leaves rolling by a little little hot mug and a book that sounds pretty rad to me
1: sure we'll just find the five minutes of free time that we have and that's what i'm saying
0: just find the five free minutes that's all we need Uh... all our relaxation in five minutes and you can too with this easy five-step program
1: just 19.99. Five EVC payments of 19.99. Act Plus now, and we'll
0: throw in a set of free Ginsu knives.
1: They can cut through steel and still can slice a tomato with ease. If you guys have any ideas for any other spoopy movies, we might be able to take them for next year. We have our final movie, which uh, we are crafting up. We're uh, <laughs> getting ready for it. Um,
0: Brewing in our minds.
1: Uh, <laughs> If you have an idea of how the Little Shop of Horror should be remade, whether it shouldn't be made at all or if it should be made in the 50s style again or in the 80s, we'd love to hear what you have to say.
0: Or if you've seen the photo for the only acceptable Princess Bride remake and that is Muppet Princess Bride. I know, right? Like, now you're thinking about it.
1: Like, maybe want it's viable. I some actors. Like, I, I want it to still be some human actors. I don't know who exactly. Like, I want Miss Piggy and then Carrie Yoles. What if Sorry. Carrie just... Yoles
0: is reading the book to Miss Piggy?
1: Ah. Uh...
0: Carrie, come sit in the bed with me. I'd, I'd, I'd rather not, Miss Piggy. Come on now. No need to the be shy.
1: <laughs> sit in the bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: we hope that you're enjoying your uh, your Halloween season. Uh, and that you keep listening share and share like be sure to check out tennessee medieval Fair for more information and audible.com slash married to the idea but until next time she's been elizabeth he's
0: been aaron and, and we're, we're married, married to, to the idea, idea.